Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. How long you ain't supposed to look? You see it, bro? <laughs> How long you ain't supposed to look at it? What? I pray that Apollo Odell does not drop a ball tonight. I was just thinking that. If he does, Giants fans are going to lose their mind thinking Apollo about this. Apollo's going to have a field day. Not to mention <laughs> fantasy players worried about their future. Anyway, what's good? Welcome to the best 60 minutes of your day. Coming up, we're talking to Malcolm Jenkins, Randy Moss. we got a figure that put the paper that Roger Goodell is getting in his reported new deal into some kind of perspective. Uh, you know? But you know how we do. Uh, let's start working our way through this list, which in TV land is known as the A Block. Uh, let's start with tonight's Monday Night Football matchup between the Browns and the Giants. <laughs> we were just talking about Odell a second ago, and I believe that is him there. Okay, so you can see where he's going. Yes. <laughs> That's right, his eyes are perfectly fine. I don't, see, I don't see a reddish tint. He can still see the haters, as he said on IG. And as always, always now to perform for the camera. Um, and with that, we welcome in Lisa Salters. Lisa, I promise we won't keep you long because I know it's raining there and that perm got a hold up. I've been there. Okay. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Lisa, though, tonight is a big night for quarterback Deshaun Kaiser. Uh, there's been some talk. I mean, Hugh Jackson has even alluded to the fact that the, there's some level of competition between him and Brock Osweiler. So what's at stake for the rookie tonight? Yeah, the storyline is the same here in Cleveland. They're trying to find out who their number one quarterback is going to be. And like you said, Deshaun Kaiser, he looked good in the first preseason game. He completed two deep throws in the fourth quarter. One of them was the game-winning touchdown. But again, that was late in the game against the Saints threes and fours. Uh, Hugh Jackson told us he wants to see how his second-round pick can play against better competition. So although Brock Osweiler will start again tonight in the second preseason game, Kaiser is expected to come in sometime in the second quarter so that he can get some reps with the ones as well. Now get this, Jamel. Since Eli Manning made his first start for the Giants in November of 2004, the Browns have used an NFL most 22 different starting quarterbacks. And by the time we get to week one of the regular season, could be 23. Uh, Meanwhile, Lisa, the national Monday Night Football audience gets its first look at number one overall pick, Miles Garrett. I'm reading about his maturity, his approach, his humility, his work ethic. What kind of camp is Miles Garrett having? Yeah, well, the Browns love this kid, Michael. Hugh Jackson told us that so far Garrett is having a tremendous camp and that and that he's been everything that they hoped that he would be. Joe Thomas, the Browns' 10-time Pro Bowl offensive lineman, he told me, you know, he was kind of taking a wait-and-see attitude about the kid because he said most number one picks, they think they know everything already. But he said that uh, he's really been impressed by how eager Miles Garrett is to learn. Uh, before the Browns even drafted Garrett, uh, he texted Joe Thomas to ask for advice. And Thomas said, you know, that kind of humility and, again, just the eagerness to learn, he said that, that was really good to see. All right. Thank you so much, Lisa. And speaking of Joe Thomas. <laughs> I have with me the list of quarterbacks that Joe Thomas has had to protect and block for over time. It's not pretty, folks. <laughs> All right, so we've got Derek Anderson, Charlie Fry. Pride of Akron. What an honor it must have been. Seneca Walls, Colt McCoy. Is that four? That's four. Brady Quinn. Beautiful man. Not a great quarterback. Jake DeLome. Oh, Ken Dorsey. I believe Miami zone. Brian Hoyer. It was fun watching a local boy not do well. Oh, Bruce Gradkowski. 
He started Ooh. Johnny Manziel. What a treat that was. The steam is coming out here. But this is great. Uh, Thad Lewis. He protected Thad Lewis. Brandon Whedon. Oh. Cody Kessler. 12, Jason Campbell. 13, 14. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh. Uh, Josh McCown. Good buddy. Josh McCown, of that course. 15. That's 15. Oh, and Robert Griffin. The bones of Robert Griffin III. Um, Connor Shaw. Yep, he started the last game of the year against the Ravens. I can see his face. Austin Davis. What a nightmare. Yes, I was able to do it. Well done, sir. That's really not funny. That's, you got to laugh to keep him crying right there. With few exceptions, they could have all been named, oh boy. And I just like, yep, probably him. Yeah. But this is why, even more reason why, I think to some degree, Hugh Jackson, I'm not so sure if it's a great idea to somewhat broadcast that there's still a competition between Brock Osweiler and Deshaun Kaiser. And look, I, I realize this is about the fact that Brock Osweiler hasn't exactly blown anybody away with yep. what he's done, but it's put this heightened sense that they found their quarterback and this is the guy. And, you know, Cleveland, if there's one franchise, I know there's a lot, but especially this franchise, they need to get it right. They don't need to rush this. Absolutely. And, and it feels like right now they need to look Brock Osweiler just has to take all those hits. All right. He needs to die on the cross so that Deshaun Kaiser can live. <laughs> when you look at our rundown, it says Brown's QB dilemma. The dilemma is defined as a choice between two bad options. No, there is a bad option here, and that would be, to your point, rushing Deshaun Kaiser. I don't care if Deshaun Kaiser, if he goes 10 for 10 for 200 yards tonight, he needs to be on the bench to start the season. Not to mention, let's not gloss over what it means to be the number two quarterback. You're a play or Brock Osweiler poor play away from being in anyway. It's not like you wouldn't play. It's not like it's a part-time job. <laughs> right. you got to prepare like you're the starter as the backup anyway. But, you know, look, we've seen this movie way too many times before, this horror movie in particular in Cleveland, where you're such in a rush to discover the next savior or somebody to end that never-ending list that Joe Thomas just rattled off or that infamous jersey we've seen with all the names, mm -hmm. too many to, to name on the back of one jersey, where you rush a guy in and he's put in harm's way. And not to say that Sean Kaiser couldn't recover, but why even risk it? If you look at the great rookie seasons for quarterbacks in NFL history, they all have one thing in common. They were on good teams, somebody that could protect them and allow them to learn on the job. He will play soon enough. There is no reason to rush it now, no matter how good he looks against second and third stringers, even though tonight they're supposed to put him in a little early. You know what they say, keep doing what you're doing, you'll keep getting what you get. Vance Joseph made official what we all knew was coming. Trevor Simeon is the Broncos starter. Joseph said Simeon is the quote-unquote clear-cut winner over Paxton Lynch. He's completed 14 of 18 preseason passes for 144 yards, 8 yards per attempt, one touchdown, no picks, 118.5 passer rating. Lynch, 15 to 22, 81 yards, 74.2 passer rating. Lynch said that he's disappointed, but he has to be prepared. That's what I said about that backup job. Believes in himself to be a starter, but the coaches made the decision. Uh, is this reason to panic over Paxton? Is this, is this an indictment of Paxton Lynch? Um, it feels a little too early to make this a, an indictment, but I do feel like we tend to talk about quarterbacks in extremes. And I know that Denver, they have a first-round pick invested in Paxton Lynch mm -hmm. with the assumption that at some point that he will be the starter as we there's so many examples to name but every quarterback is just flat out different and I realize the pressures are different in Denver because of everything else around them they need this missing piece and so when you see him make rookie mistakes uh the fact that reading the field is still a major issue as it is with all young quarterbacks Most, yep. it's just perceived a little bit differently there so while I don't feel like they need to give up. I do understand the alarm and concern. Because here's the thing, though. What's real the quick, alarm and concern? With Deshaun Kaiser, even though we know he's not fully ready and experienced, right. 
you still see the flashes. You see it. Right. I can't say if I've seen it out of Paxton Lynch. Well, maybe you just haven't seen it yet. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any cause for concern at this point, because to your point, there is no shelf life for a franchise quarterback. See, the problem is twofold. The problem is, one, he was beaten out by Trevor Simeon who's got the seventh-round tag associated with him. Like, you can't beat out a seventh-rounder. Like, as if Trevor Simeon's supposed to say, you know, I'm just a seventh-rounder, so I'm not going to actually try to win this job. job. (laughs) There's that. And also, he does not have the luxury, Paxton Lynch, of being drafted to a team that's got time to wait for him to learn on the job. Other people's jobs and legacies and livelihoods are on the line if the quarterback is holding them back. So whereas some teams may be inclined, if it's even close, and it wasn't really close in terms of preseason performance, but some teams may be inclined to, if it's close, go with the younger guy with the upside and have him take his lumps on a developing team. This team is like, yo, we can make the playoffs with this defense, this special teams, and if the quarterback stays out of the way and doesn't turn the ball over. So he's in a tough spot. If you don't come in as a guy I drafted to a good team and you're mature enough to handle being on a good team and take a good team where it thinks it can go, you're oftentimes going to lose out to the more experienced, the safer pick. And that's what happened here. Since 1976, only five teams that were preseason number one finished the season number one in the AP poll. The last being USC in 04. Only four of the last nine national champions, Jamel, have been ranked in the preseason top four. And three of those four were Alabama. However, the Tide have failed to win the national championship at three previous times. They were preseason number one under Nick Saban. I don't know what all that means. Basically, what I'm getting at is how much does the AP poll even mean to you? But before you answer that question, let me show you something that will mean something to you. Us comic nerds here. Well, look at ESPN that. ESPN College Football Playoff Variant Marvel covers. You got Incredible Hulk, Indiana, Ohio State, oh, Daredevil. Those are all so dope. Shout out to Charlie Cox, Michigan and Florida. Indestructible Hulk, Inhumanity, The Defenders. <laughs> Have you started watching The Defenders I haven't yet. yet. Have I'm you? two episodes in. It okay. starts a little slow, but it's good. You're bringing all those people together. Got to be good TV. You got Nova, and you got... The double feature, volume one, BYU versus LSU. That looks great. No, it does look great. Okay. Alabama's great. This just in. Getting back to what you said about <laughs> yeah. the poll. How much do you care? See, the college football committee, the playoff committee is not supposed not to care. not supposed to right. uh, consider this at all. You're right. This is where college football makes me feel like the biggest sucker alive. How many conversations have we had, especially when the playoff committee starts to introduce their rankings? And I rail against it every year. Like, I hate these rankings because... It pits narratives and it pits perceptions in people's minds. Same thing with the preseason college football poll. I used to have to do these. I used to hate doing them because right. so much is based off what you saw the year before. I wish they would wait a month into the season yeah. before they before unveil this. Poll, I'm not yeah. saying Alabama would be any worse. Right. But what I am saying is that there are teams that have not been considered that will surprise everybody and people will be looking plum dumb a couple months from now. Well, all I know is this Alabama-Florida State Historic matchup. Never seen anything like this. Two top three teams in the opening season or the opening game of the season. I just hope that they won't be penalized. I know I'm not the first to say this, but won't be penalized long term. One of those teams obviously is going to lose that. Do they have to run the table to recover from that? I mean, it's the first game of the season. So this poll is going to look different in 10 days. Right. Once one of these teams. And it won't be, again, that's such a monster game. Right. It's not a reflection that these are not both really good teams. Right. But it could potentially wind up costing one of them. Somebody beyond the obvious. To win this? SC never, whenever SC's ranked this high, they don't, they don't win at all. But I like Sam Darnold. They're kind of obvious, though, too. Yeah, that's a little obvious. Right. I think it's somebody beyond the obvious. I just was trying to make a smooth segue into Los Angeles. <laughs> with the Dodgers <laughs> starting a four-game series with the Pirates tonight, Clayton Kershaw pitched four innings in a simulated game in Pittsburgh today. Kershaw rehabbing from a back issue and sidelines since July 24th was scheduled to throw three innings. 
But when that was done, he came back for a fourth. Afterward, he told Sportsnet LA that he could pitch in a major league game tomorrow. Dave Roberts said Sunday that Kershaw is expected to pitch a rehab game next weekend. The Dodgers really miss him. I mean, they're struggling. 18 and 4 since he got hurt. Oh, by the way, after Kershaw's outing, you Darvish threw a bullpen session. It's starting to remind me of the Warriors. Just got luxuries that other teams can't even think about. All right, let's move on to what is the biggest story of the day. Uh, So all day, everybody has been so consumed with the eclipse, including your favorite athletes. Aaron Rodgers, he watched the eclipse. So did David Johnson, who you'll see in a moment. Me, I'm in the anti-eclipse hive. And it turns out we're a sizable hive. Everything can be a hive, man. That includes Nick Saban and also Charles Barkley. You know, we'll set it up so if the players want to go out there and get some sunglasses and look at it, I guess they can. Uh, that's not something that I'm really that focused on right now. You know, I watch the Weather Channel every day. They're already saying what it's going to look like in every city in America. So what, what, what's going to be significant? I'm not a loser. I'm not definitely not going to watch the eclipse. I've never saw a day in my life I've got to look at this eclipse. So, Mike, are you into it? Well... I'm into everybody being into it. I'm actually happy that for the first time, it feels like a long time, everybody's united in celebrating something good and something beautiful. (laughs) It's just a nice break from the norm these days when it comes to news. news of the day as opposed to something else. This is a long (laughs) time coming to actually have good news be the top story today. I don't don't think it makes you a loser (laughs) if you're into it. I think I'm more of a loser that I got to wait till 2045 because I missed it today because I was so enthralled in my work and life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you can miss it. And I missed the eclipse today. Yeah, I, I, I didn't really care. I mean, it, look, maybe this is, I guess this is why science was never one of my favorite subjects. I, it was my least favorite subject. I couldn't stand it. So it was just sort no, of like. actually, I, well, I got the well actually in my ear. The next Coast to Coast eclipse is 2045. Who did that? The, who said that? That's Jasmine. Jasmine Trial. Nerd alert. Me. <laughs> I read, you think I read about this? It's partial in 2024. Let's, uh do a football segment that we'll eventually name or, or not. not, right? Sure. Um, Bill O'Brien has high hopes. He has high hopes. <laughs> for J.J. Watt, no high expectations yeah. this year. Uh, he told the MMQB, I can tell you right now, the guy's going to be at the top of his game. I think he'll be better than he was. Consider that Scary in 2015 <laughs> when he won his third Defensive Player of the Year award, he was hurt all year. Core, groin, back, still has 17 and a half sacks. So I believe it. He's tweaked the way he works out, still just as hard. First in defense last year, so they'll only be better. Meanwhile, who's going to be the first-string quarterback? It seems like it's Tom Savage after this week. It does seem that way, even though certainly Deshaun Watson has shown some evidence, a lot of evidence, that he's a guy, like, that's the future right there. But I like the way that Tom Savage has competed very hard for this job. command. Yes, definitely. All right. Andy Reid says there's no gray area, no ifs, ands, or buts about it, nothing to discuss. Patrick Mahomes, no matter how impressive you've been in preseason, is not the starter. It is Alex Smith's job. Period. Now that's how you're supposed to handle it. Right. There's in their situation. Correct. There's a burgeoning. Holmes will start soon enough. Correct. No rush. Alex Smith is there to do what Alex Smith does, just hold it down until somebody sexier comes along. Now it's real sexy mm-hmm. to sweat Mitchell Trubisky because some different. people this like you. What? When, it, when he got drafted, y'all were full of jokes. All of Chicago wanted to start now when they were full of jokes when he got drafted. Uh-huh. Still should start Mike Glennon, by the way. Just like I said with Still, Kaiser, huh? take your time. Take your time. They can take their time, but unlike the other situations, I don't think Mike Glennon's grip on this job is going to be for long. Because Mike Glennon? Because Mike Glennon. So, really, in this situation, I think it'll be uh, – it, that will force them to do it. It'll be the way that he plays. Because at some point, you're going to have to do I it. I think you should just have to, like, 
decide immediately if you in or out on a pick. I just don't like these Johnny come lately. These fair weather fans, like all of a sudden he's good now. Look, just because you Mitchell still Palooza, you still unleash the fury. No, Roberto Aguayo. No, because I've hit. told you Mitchell Trubisky was a smart pick when it happened. Oh. This was awesome today. John Harbaugh canceled practice today. Opted for the Ravens to tour the Pentagon and take part in the laying of the wreath at the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, as well as they visited uh, John F. Kennedy's gravesite at Arlington National Cemetery. Keenan Reynolds, of course, played at Navy. Uh, Otha Foster served as uh, served in the Marines. They participated in the wreath laying. What Sometimes you know? it's good to take a day off from practice to get some perspective. Bravo to the Ravens. And monuments we can all be proud of and learn something from. What do you know? All right. Uh, two weeks with the Buffalo Bills were enough for Anquan Bolden, who has decided that he needs to do even more with his time, if that's even possible, toward his humanitarian efforts. He said it's afforded him, football that is, the platform throughout his career to have a greater impact on his humanitarian work. But at this time, he's drawn to make the larger fight a priority. I feel like there's just a general awakening. The guys knowing that their purpose is bigger than football, they're using the game instead of letting the game use them. All right, now as the media debates, what impact that the absence of Ezekiel Elliott will have on the Cowboys. There's no debate that Dak Prescott and Dez Bryant make a hell of a team. Dak found Dez for that 32-yard touchdown Saturday night against the Colts. Dak said the chemistry has grown between him and Dez Bryant in the offseason. Everybody be put on alert. And somebody who knows a little bit about how important it is for a wide receiver to have chemistry with their quarterback, Randy Moss, thank you for joining us. Like I said, we spent a lot of time talking about what they lose with Dak or what they lose with Ezekiel Elliott, what do they gain by the fact that this is Des Bryant's first uh, healthy offseason in, I think, two or three years. Right, two or three years. And there was always questions whether or not Dak and Des had the right chemistry. To hear that, what do you think that means for the Cowboys' offense? I think it means good things for the Cowboy offense, and the reason why is because they had a whole offseason to work together. Last year when he was drafted, it was kind of like – He got thrown in the fire. Tony Romo was hurt. So it was kind of like you had to just roll the dice and whatever whatever they came up with, that's what you got to roll with. But this year, they've had some time to work in the offseason with one another with one another to find out what they can do well and what they cannot do well. So for me, looking at that play the other night, Dez uh, being able to catch that back shoulder with the quarterback playing high, that shows me that they're working. So the chemistry that we're looking for in Dallas, I think they're ready to uh, hit on all cylinders. What does it say about both? Dak as a leader, Dez as a leader who knows how to follow, that Dez is so bought into Dak that he is in his ear listening to him like he's following Dak's lead. Like it just it speaks to both of their maturity. Dak calling him, Dak is a second-year player right. calling Dez Bryant the most improved player on the team. Mm-hmm. What does it say about their relationship and their respect for well, each other? The one thing that really stands out to me is you having a young guy coming in uh, at, at Dak and then Dez being a veteran. To give him that much love, yep. that much respect early in a young career, yep. it's the only good thing that's going to come out of Dallas. So hopefully that offensive line stays healthy, get somebody in and running back for the time that Zeke's going to be gone. But I'm telling you, just being able to show that back shoulder throw for a touchdown, yeah. that's end that's season. Out. That's mid-season form. But for them to be able to just hit on all cylinders in the preseason, then they got him out of there. Good things can happen. They got a lot of somebody's at running back. You saw Rod Smith? <laughs> Jim is brother Rod. Six, seven yards yeah, a carry. Going like. from fullback and special teams, plenty of people could run the rock behind him. Yeah, definitely. I um, want to ask you real quick about the, the Giants uh, since they'll be playing uh, very shortly from right. now. Which you guys are setting up like on Monday Night Cowboys. Exactly. Oh, um, Odell Beckham Jr., he's talked before about how he should be the highest paid player in the NFL overall. But as great as he is, is it crazy to expect even greater things from him this season, just given 
I'm sure that he feels a lot of motivation based off how their season ended. He took a lot of criticism. He's taken a lot of criticism in the offseason. Like, what kind of expectations are realistic for him this year? Well, just, just me looking at him uh, in minicamp uh, and then training camp, just looking at his, his explosiveness, seeing him get off the ball, that means that this guy is ready. And for having a veteran guy like Brandon Marshall coming in, to be able to take some of that pressure off of Odell because when in doubt, third and long, third and short, they're throwing to Odell. I think Brandon Marshall, being a veteran, can take some of that pressure off of Odell. But at the same time, Brandon Marshall, don't forget whose team it is also. Right. So for, this is helping out Brandon Marshall, right, know, given I, I, where his production has been dipping or had dipped last year with the Jets. He has to really understand where he is in his career. You know, you're not going to be able to see 10, 12 to 15 targets a game. This is Odell Beckham's show, but for him being a veteran, coming in to help a young guy like Odell Beckham, kind of reminded me of when I went to San Francisco with uh, Michael Crabtree. So I think things can work there, but yeah. Brandon Marshall has to check his ego in at the door for things to happen. One thing door. I love about watching you, uh, Randy, is like all of these kids, all these guys were fans of you. They all <laughs> emulated you, but you're a fan of them. Yeah. Like Odell is as freaky as, as anybody we've seen. Since. Not right. comparing to you, I'm just saying. What is it when you watch him? What is it that you get out of your seat for? You like, yo, I love the way he does X. Odell Beckham in particular. I just like the passion that he brings to the game. I mean, sometimes the people that I don't really want to be disrespectful and say never play the game because you hear that a lot. But the people that has never been in his shoes to understand when he's messing with the goalposts, when he's slamming his helmet, that's all passion to me. So to see him passionate about the game and going out here and making it happen, that's the one thing I love seeing from Odell Beckham. Yes, no question that he, uh, he wants it and he wants to be great. As you've almost certainly heard by now, Roger Goodell is close to an agreement on a new five-year extension that runs through 2024, as first reported by the Sports Business Journal and confirmed by ESPN. Wonder who leaked it and why. And anyway, uh, the NFL is no longer required to publicly file Goodell's salary, but our Dan Ravel tweeted today that the commissioner was paid $213 million in his first 10 years as commissioner. Doesn't shoot, doesn't hit, doesn't tackle. <laughs> From 2006 to 2015, only two major sport athletes in North America made that much salary over that span of time. That would be Alex Rodriguez and Kobe Bryant. I'm going to need y'all to let that sink in. So we still doing that, huh? Still. Wait, wait for it. Let that sink in. Let that sink in. All right, cool. It's in. All right, we're good. Got, got all that? Yeah. Is Roger Goodell doing a good job? I asked you that with a straight face. <laughs> He's making a lot of money uh-huh. for the owners, that is. He's doing the job they pay him to do. I know that there was, after he handed the uh, suspension down on Ezekiel Elliott, given what all the shenanigans of Deflategate, suspending Tom Brady for four games, clearly he created enemies out of the two or two of the most powerful owners in that group. But here's... Let that sink in. Here's what I was thinking is that, yeah, he may have created enemies with them, but there's still 30 other teams and many of them can't stand them either. And so it's really a zero sum game. So this idea that Roger Goodell would somehow put himself at jeopardy in terms of losing his job by uh, by issuing discipline for certain teams probably wasn't going to happen. Like it was a fun thing to kind of entertain, I Mm -hmm. guess. 
But the truth of the matter is he's great for the bottom line and has been great for the bottom line, and that's all they care about. Look at the number of teams that have moved. You have the Raiders going to Vegas. Everybody's and That's, that's putting billions in people's pockets. And every, as you said, everybody's value is up, and that's really the only job that Correct. he does well that he is paid to do. He is not in the business of making players happy he is not in the business of making friends he is in the business of making money and cutting business is a booming yeah 13 billion in revenue for 2016 14 billion uh projected for 2017 um they've survived every scandal because people can't quit the nfl and that equals job security for the commissioner so no matter how much how bad they may have looked when it comes to in-house investigations or the personal conduct policy, do you think or that player the, safety? Yeah, right. Do you think the NFL? I mean, look at the public. Do you think the NFL is really the you know the, anybody has any kind of sympathy for the players when it comes to players committing crimes against women or children or any? Do you think anybody cares if they botch an investigation? If they, if people hate the Patriots, do you think that many people are looking at the league the way they, with a critical eye as opposed to the, uh, the allegations of deflating footballs when it comes to the Patriots? Do you think that when it comes to player safety, the common person is really that sympathetic to what players li- li- putting their livelihood on the line for millions of dollars playing a quote-unquote kids game? So as long as people are putting money in the owner's pockets, they're going to continue to reward the guy that's out front taking the bullets for him. And not only that, what always astounds me is that when it comes to labor issues and any kind of financial beef or beef period between the players and the ownership and or Roger Goodell, the fans always side with the owners. And that's why the players and the union and D. Smith, they all got to get on the same page. Just going back to Anquan Bolden for a second, one of the things I respect about him and, and people like Malcolm Jenkins who we're talking to in a second, it's like, hey, these guys are their own men and understand that they got to define themselves for themselves and not look at the NFL and commissioners uh, as partners because they're not. Okay. They're, not, they're not in the business. Audrey Lord. <laughs> that's exactly right. I think it just continues to draw even more attention and, and pull at people's conscience to feel more responsible for their role and how our country is right now. I support uh, Malcolm's right to protest, and I support people fighting for equality. At the end of the day, these players, they respect each other. It would like to see protests turn to progress. This is not just a football thing. This is an American thing. Eagle safety Malcolm Jenkins, he joins us now on The Six. Uh, Malcolm, Chris Long putting his arm around you as you raised your fist during the anthem has become sort of a lasting image. You said that it changed the dynamic of the conversation. How so? Well, I think, you know, obviously starting from last year with Colin Kaepernick all the way uh, through the first you know week of preseason, uh, this has been primarily, you know, done by black athletes and um, there's been a call and a challenge to, you know, white athletes to also use their leverage and their pri- privilege and platform to stand up for the causes that their, you know, fellow teammates have done. And Chris obviously was the first person to do that. And I think, you know, in light of what happened in Charlottesville and all that's going on in the country, when we took in the conversation between hate and racism, uh, I, th- I thought it was timely and, and definitely very, very impactful. Now, Chris said that before he decided to show that show of support, that he, you and he had some conversations. What were those conversations like? Yeah, he was very, very um, aware that, you know, this is something that obviously I had been doing since last year. He didn't want to do anything to take away from, um, you know, my demonstration. He didn't want to draw too much attention to himself. Um, and so really we just had a conversation about what his message, what the message was that he wanted to get across. 
And that was he felt like that, you know, white men and white people need to begin to position themselves as, as allies uh, when you talk about the conversation of equality and, and racial justice in this country. Um, and, and he figured that just simply holding his arm around me, um, you know, could take care of that, showing that, you know, he has his own thoughts and feelings when it comes to the anthem. Uh, but when it comes to what I'm standing for, he's, he's definitely in support. You mentioned Colin Kaepernick, Malcolm. One of the most frustrating parts of the conversation about Colin and his continued unemployment was the people who said, oh, he's a distraction. Nobody wants a distraction in their locker room. Given the images like you and Chris Long, and we saw Justin Brett and Michael Bennett, uh, Khalil Mack and Derek Carr, don't those images fly in the face of the idea that these demonstrations are locker room distractions, given the type of conversations you guys are having behind the scenes? They do. And I think that's part of the frustration from the guys that are speaking up about this is that the amount of silence from players um, and coaches, GMs and, and, and ownership about these issues um, give a false perception to the public that, you know, the, that people don't care about it. When, all, when in all actuality, we have these conversations daily and guys in the locker room are frustrated and, and want to figure out ways to help. Um, and so I think this does, you know, obviously... Uh, counter those arguments that you know these are things that that guys care about white and black and and hopefully we can continue to use our platforms to change that and hopefully more guys speak up now along those same lines there's also a number of people who believe uh, that no police want to see reform or want to see justice just as all veterans are offended by the idea that you guys are somehow disgracing the national anthem. I don't know if you saw it, but the New York City Police Department, uh, several members of that department, they held a rally on Saturday in Brooklyn in support of Colin Kaepernick. How does a police rally in support of Colin Kaepernick sort of impact this overall discussion you guys are having? I think it, it, it starts to break down the distractions that, that we've had, you know, that the fact that, you know, you've had members of our armed services come out in support of Colin Kaepernick and say that they don't have a problem with his stance or any of the protests. And that's what they fight for. You people try to call them anti-police or whoever's demonstrating anti-police. You have police officers coming out in support, you know, even um, the coalition that we have of players around the league that have been working on criminal justice reform have been labeled as anti-police when, in fact, a lot of us have done ride-alongs with police. Uh, we've engaged them in our community uh, programs. Um, and, and that, you know, ongoing conversation is a huge part of, of this criminal justice reform. And so I applaud those officers in New York who stood by Kaepernick. Um, obviously, um, he doesn't have a job right now. You and Anquan Bolden have stood shoulder to shoulder with this coalition uh, fighting for criminal justice reform, visiting Capitol Hill with a number of other NFL players. So I'm sure it did not catch you by surprise that Anquan Bolden retired at 36 to focus full time on his on his humanitarian efforts. You still obviously have a lot of football to be played. But Malcolm, do you think about how much longer you want to continue to play professional football as opposed to devote all your efforts to the work you're doing off the field? Do you ever think about the end of your career? I want to use this stage as, as best I can. This stage gives opens up doors uh, that, you know, otherwise I would never have. And I'd hate to go back on my career and, and say that all I did was tackle people and, and play ball. I, I think my legacy um, is is going to be way deeper than that. And I, and I understand, you know, that's uh, one, one of the reasons that Anquan stepped away from the game, knowing that he's given everything he had to it. And at this point in time, he, he feels like his impact could be even bigger 
um, off the field. But given how much you're doing on and off the field, uh, day in and day out, we appreciate you finding some time to spend with us on the six. Thanks, man. I appreciate you guys having me. I just stood up on the stage and I'm clapping my hands. Yeah. Freestyle so fresh, everybody just dance. Woo! Put up my hands and like I'm going half wrong. And I ain't even tripping, dog. I know I'm still grown. Roll the boys off. I don't need no microphone. Yo. I was just testing you, seeing if you were listening. Yo. Here I go, dog, like two boys in the back. Hold on, I'm coming to the next position. Sign on the back, say, take days out, bitch. Hold on for a minute, because I'm black and bleep rock. I ain't even tripping, because I'm rock and bleep rock. Corsi from Atlanta. Of course. Coach Carson, Lovejoy, Atlanta represent. Good to hear him on a two chains. <laughs> All right. Uh, baseball here. Uh, a bunch of Major League Baseball umpires wore white wristbands over the weekend protesting abusive player behavior after Ian Kinsler, of course, uh, wasn't suspended for his recent remarks regarding umpire Angel Hernandez. Now, he was fined 10 grand, but umps just being umps and doing what they always do, which is trying to draw attention to themselves. So. And they stopped it once they were told they would be fired. So clearly it wasn't that serious. <laughs> no, it wasn't. But, but that's the thing, man. Like, like, was he right about Angel Hernandez? No. You don't want to pay with a broad brush. A lot of them do good jobs. His comments but... were harsh. I did think they were a little were bit out of, out of line. All right. They were a little out of line. Well, this is not the way to, to combat it, you know? And I just hear, again, I, I seem to see more umpire behavior trying to show up players than the other way around. Don't try to show up Blair Walsh. Vikings. Seahawks <laughs> kicker made a pair of 52-yarders against his old team, then gestured toward it following each made field goal. This After the game. A preseason game, right? Hey, man. I just want to check. Yeah, regular season form. Practice how you play. He said he was responding to getting taunted because just like umps, kickers are people too, and he's a Seahawk, so when in Rome. So let me get this straight. He's taunting them from a preseason game after he blew a playoff game that would have. Why are you bringing up old stuff? I'm just saying. Just saying. Speaking of uh, kickers, Mike, mm. did you happen to catch Roberto Aguayo? Professional football contest. Missing his first field goal attempt as a member kick of the. Kick an oblong ball through a big H. Nope. I'm just. So some things just never change, huh? It's a bad hole. <laughs> Is that what it Laces was? Laces out. Right? Finkel and Einhorn. <laughs> Laces Finkel were out. Finkel and Einhorn. I don't know. Was I, yeah. Mike, just say you were wrong. I wasn't wrong. Okay. No. All right. Um, Pacers filed tampering charges with the NBA against the Lakers. And now the league is looking into it. If there was any impermissible contact between Magic Johnson and Paul George, according to Adrian Wojnarowski and Ramona Shelburne. It doesn't matter Why? what you know. It matters what you can prove. Why? You want to go to jail, you want to go home. This is so... It's all connecting dots. This is so pointless. He's from L.A. Guess what? L.A. needs good players. Like, who wouldn't want Paul George? It's kind of unspoken. I right. think any team with the available cap space is like, yeah, we'll take Paul George, whether he knows it or not. Well, it's, it's kind of like what, hap- what happens in the NBA, too. But in the NFL, does anybody know it's the first day you can sign a free agent? They all signed at the same time? Do you think hurt. they just started having those conversations? They just hurt because they blew that trade. And they won't blame it on somebody. So they're going to blame it on Magic. with Sabonis and Oladipo with Paul George. C.J. McCollum had a great cab ride. I can't stand Golden State. I hate them motherfuckers, man. You know what's a lot of this going on, you know? Him and Russell, Kobe and Shaq. Right, right. Magic figured out to win how to win five with Kareem, even though they never really went out and had lunch together. It's a shame the Clippers sell out every game. Lakers got half the half the seats as him. Oh, it's rough. And then it got to the point the Clippers kicking the Lakers. It's one of the most entertaining drives. Oh, what that be tipping like? <laughs> right, right. That's the best part. Yeah, word. Yeah. 
no, you're right. Does that happen to you? That happens to me sometimes. Like you get in Ubers or cabs. You know what you do for a living. And yeah, they recognize you. And then all of a sudden, they're just like, every hot take I've ever thought of, I need to get off right now. I've been wanting to say this about you for a long time. I've been wanting to talk to you for a long time. No, what's even funnier to me is when they talk smack about you to me. I'm, like we made that up just now. No, I didn't. That didn't happen. Really? That didn't happen. Don't. I don't want to, because I don't want to hurt your feelings, so I don't tell you. I was actually going to bring up the time the cab driver tried to holler at you, but see, I, you want you want to hit No! I'm saying, it happens. Uh, Mike Golick Jr., he had a rough morning because Herm Edwards spoiled last night's Game of Thrones episode four. It happened a couple of times. He's lying. Seriously! Are you a Game of Thrones guy? Big Game of Thrones. You didn't oh, watch it, though. Don't say it. Didn't watch it. Didn't watch it yet. You and I both watched it, Herm. We can't say anything. Can't say anything? The young guy I'm getting to it later Wait a minute. I'm going to give you one. I got to say one. Just I give you one. And it's bad. The bad guy's and I'll leave it at that. Oh, wow. Man. Herm knows better. That was messed up, Herb. Uh, Golick Jr. couldn't watch because he was at a John Mayer concert. Not going to judge. I just finished season two, so I don't even know what alert is being spoiled. I don't even know. Is it really a spoiler when the episodes actually aired? I mean, look, 24-hour moratorium. 24-hour. I'm still depressed about Raider, man. Her getting killed. That was messed up. It's technically it's 24 hours. It's Thank on the Stars you. app. It's on the Stars app. And you know what you I did? Watch it first you know what I did? Because Insecure, I didn't watch it last night. I watched it this morning. I stayed off Twitter, okay? You can't be on Twitter telling everybody else what to do and what not to spoil for you. Just don't didn't be I on Twitter. Did I tell you Tariq was the worst? Didn't I tell you that? People were like, oh, he's a child. TV history. All right, so Jay-Z, I guess being one of the last people who haven't weighed in on LeVar Ball, finally did. Here he is on his title podcast. LeVar Ball, he said, I'm going to start my own company. Everybody's like, you should sign a Nike. Yeah. Right. Now, he may, he may go about things wrong. He may have a he big mouth. Everything he, he may rub everything, yeah. but I bought three pairs. Why did I buy three? Well, I, did. I didn't get them. I didn't get them, you know what I'm saying? But that man has a vision of his own. Why Why wouldn't I support him? Right. Why wouldn't I support him? He feels like he can move coach and his son got a big enough name and a big mm-hmm. enough brand that they can do it. Right. It's not up to facts you know we have a good story. It's not about him having a vision. It's about $500. You can afford to buy a three. Nobody said don't start your own brand, but $500 for a kid that ain't played yet. Three pairs of shoes he hasn't gotten yet, by the way. And it's not about that. Like, of course, Everybody has a vision, and you start from there, but it's a lot that comes with that with LeVar Ball. This is not just some... It goes product, then brand. Speaking of moving product and getting your hustle on, in Akron, Ohio, they're selling Stay Home 23 gear for LeBron. Blake Griffin says that he doesn't see LeBron going to L.A., period. He sees New York going to L.A. What do you think? Um, New York? To do what? Shop? Not to play for their professional right. basketball team, correct? <laughs> L.A. makes a lot of exactly. sense. <laughs> That's all I know. Meanwhile, in Dwayne Wade's world... A little nervous, but it's all good. You're getting it. Who wouldn't be nervous? You see what he's driving. Come on, bro. This is this is the ultimate trust right here. I'm allow. I'm, hey, what? I'm allowing him to drive my Ferrari with me out of side of the car in my driveway, though. But you know what I mean. See, that's like Jay-Z dropper in 1500 on Triple B's. When you rich, you can let him test drive the Ferrari. That just means you too rich. Exactly. Wait, you got to drive the old car. You <laughs> can't test like, drive Go out and get, and get a practice. Chevette or something. That, which, that was the first car I learned how to drive on is a Chevette. Puppy day. <laughs> no, either one of my kids drive my whip. They ain't going to be able to learn how to. No? 
Jamal. Before we call it a day, who had a good day, Jamal? Uh, it was a good day for O.J. Mayo when he uh, posted this Instagram photo uh, during his trip to Kenya in January. A lot of people had jokes, but what Mayo was going through was no laughing matter. There's a terrific piece on Mayo in Sports Illustrated. If you recall, he's banned from the NBA for at least two years for failing a drug test, but he seems to have taken advantage of his 13-month absence. He's completely sober. He's committed to a vegan diet. He's dropped 25 pounds, built an entirely new support group. Shout out to Travell Gaines, who has helped him quite a lot. Arkansas State's Blaze Taylor, MBA earlier this month, he earned after his bachelor's degree in two and a half years, meaning he has received two degrees before the start of his fourth year on campus, which could quite possibly be the first time in FBS football history that a player has earned a master's that quickly. We are off tomorrow, but we're traveling to Vegas for the circus, I mean the fight, so we won't be here. SportsCenter continues now on ESPN News. Monday Night Countdown is next. Hello, Susie. Hey, what's up, y'all? Take it away.